Welcome to Learning to Live, where I talk about what I'm currently learning. Come join me in learning how to live a quality life. Just a quick disclaimer before we get started. I'm not a medical doctor, and this information is not intended to be taken as medical advice. And in this episode, I may talk about mature topics. Keep that in mind if you have little ears around. Hey there everyone, welcome. So today we're going to be talking about endometriosis again, and this time we're going to be talking about how do you know if you have endometriosis. So a lot of people may suspect that they have it or just really wonder what does it act like what are the symptoms of endometriosis to see if I have it or just to be able to understand it better. So the symptoms are painful periods, it's a very common symptom, a lot of cramps, heavy periods, like stomach or back pain, painful intercourse, or some have pain when using tampons actually, infertility. I think there was a study done, or or maybe it's just a rough guess, that about 50% of women experiencing infertility have endometriosis. And roughly 1 in 10 women have endometriosis. So it's actually pretty common and more symptoms are painful urination or painful bowels. So those are more commonly during a period or just mainly when you would have your endo flare up. But usually around a period when the cramping happens the most, when things are being shed. Because of the uterus, um, the lining is... There's lining outside of the uterus, right? And then those can be attached to the bowels or to intestines or to the bladder, like all those areas, and then can cause pain in those areas during your period, during the times where you're going to have cramping. Now, people can have pain during ovulation as well, which would cause a lot of cramping then too, or like pain during ovulation. So some people can actually know that they're ovulating because of that. And some people can spot then as well. I heard somewhere that some people will um, bleed during their period, um, like when they're having a bowel movement or even like nosebleeds. Just wherever that endometriosis is, sometimes it will end up shedding and causing some bleeding. It does vary because everyone's endometriosis will be in different places and yeah, so that can change with that. Um, So yeah, it can cause diarrhea, constipation, or even nausea. So yeah, endometriosis is where the uterus lining that's normally inside of the uterus is outside of the uterus. So it's supposed to be inside, but it ends up also being on the outside. It can affect the fallopian tubes, um, other like muscles and stuff like that, just the area around the uterus, like by the bowels, intestines, pelvic area, um, even like the whole reproductive area, like that could be the cervix or vagina. Um, If you have had surgery, that also can um, affect the endometriosis. Sometimes people will get worsened endometriosis, or if they didn't have endometriosis, 
after getting a surgery that can cause the endometriosis because of the scar tissue and adhesions. So, um, yeah, so sometimes when people will get checked for endometriosis, they don't have it. And it is a possibility that they could get it after that. So yeah, it can affect the body as a whole, not just specifically around the uterus. Some people get like shoulder pain. Some people actually have like arthritis with their endometriosis. Now that could be to do with a deficiency. Many women who have endometriosis are deficient in vitamin D or deficient in GLA. Magnesium is really helpful for people with endometriosis. I believe they're deficient as well. So there are a few things that people with endometriosis actually could benefit if they took or ate a diet more rich in those foods. But sometimes the diet can't actually get like enough nutrients because if you're deficient enough, you won't be able to get enough and then you might need to supplement as well. Or if it's you've been deficient for a while, it might be helpful to supplement as you're changing your diet. Yeah, just a few things to look into. So if you suspect that you have endo or endometriosis, I would really recommend getting a second opinion if, um, if you're having a hard time, like if you need to. Like if you're not getting a diagnosis and you're going to your doctor and saying, I have painful periods. Um, so I can say this from experience because I have endometriosis and um, when I seen doctors, I would tell them about my painful periods. And I remember one time I told a doctor, actually a gynecologist, I believe that's what they're called. <laughs> um, yeah, she was just saying we could give you birth control or we could give you this strong painkiller that you can take. And since I didn't want to go on birth control, then she gave me the prescription for the painkiller. I didn't have to fill it out if I didn't want to. I did not fill it out. I, yeah, I definitely did not want to. Um, because I didn't really understand it very well and I didn't want to take something that I didn't know what it was. And yeah, I could have researched it and looked into it. But I wanted to... I don't know, I didn't want to take something for the pain, even though I... It's better to take something to take the pain away rather than live with inflammation because inflammation can cause a lot of problems too. So there's a bit of a balance with that. But anyways, really get a second opinion if you need to. If you suspect that you have endometriosis, if your periods are super painful, like that could be, that that's not normal. Your periods should not affect your day-to-day -day life. They should not make you cancel plans. Um... They shouldn't make you leave school or work, like calling in sick. That's not normal. If you're in bed rolling, on, rolling in pain, that's not normal. So definitely if you have pain, that's, that's not normal, that's affecting you. And if you're complaining about the pain, that's usually something you need to look into. Um, you need to get your doctor to look into So yeah, my doctor prescribed painkillers, and that's kind of where it ended. I Once I went to the ER, they said, oh yeah, we're pretty sure you have endometriosis. And then I had seen kind of like a naturopath, and 
he told he told me like I definitely had endometriosis so I kind of suspected it for a long time but I didn't fully understand what endometriosis was at the time when I suspected it I just kind of was like oh yeah I have that and whatever or I probably have that I didn't say I had it at that time because I was not told that I may have it or did have it but the reason the ER doctor said that I probably very likely have it was because they could actually see on my ultrasound. So some people will say you can't see it on an ultrasound, but that's actually not true. There are cases where a doctor can see um, endometriosis on an ultrasound, but that's when it's pretty severe that it can show up on the ultrasound. So it's not common, but it can happen. And getting surgery, um, I just don't know the actual name for it, is not actually the only way that you can get a diagnosis. There are MRIs that people will use to get diagnosed as well. So it's not the only way for a diagnosis. It's very common. It's, it's a very common way to get diagnosed because if you do end up having it, then they'll just clean out the endometriosis if they can. There are some cases where it's a um, some doctors won't clean out certain areas just because it's a little bit scary. They don't want to damage anything, so they'll do what they can. So I did not want to go the route of surgery. And since I was told that I had it, and you don't have to be diagnosed just that way. So since I was told that I had it, I definitely wanted to take a natural route for treating it. And it does not matter like if you want to go do surgery, totally go for it. It's definitely a matter of opinion and your own choices and what works for you. And there, and if, um, if I needed to, I would, I would go for surgery as well. Um, but I'm wanting to try a more natural route and it seems to be working for me. So it, it's, it's important to remember that your life should not be on hold when you're on your period. And, and it's not just on your period that you'll experience pain. Some have pain before, like cramps or back pain just before their period, or they, others will have pain during ovulation or around ovulation. Um, and that could be to do with the tubes. Some, if they have blocked tubes and they'll get pain, that, that's why during ovulation or around ovulation. Um, it's all to do with how their own endometriosis is and where the adhesions and scar tissue is. And some, to a degree, have pain pretty much all the time. So the pain is not an indication or an indicator of the stage of endometriosis that a person would have. You can have um, you can be in like stage one and have pain to the severity of like stage four. You can have it pretty severe. And then in stage four, you could have pain, like very little pain, pretty much like a stage one pain. So like it's not really a clear in indicator of um, what stage you are in depending on the pain you have. So you could be in stage one and have very bad pain. It's just different for everyone. So yeah, what I experienced was I would leave school and work. Um, yeah, I would often just leave in pain. 
I would actually just call in sick for work. I just didn't want to go because I was in so much pain. I would take very hot showers and baths. And literally in that order, I would take a shower, then take a bath. Um, that seemed to help a little bit for the pain. I would take painkillers and then I would fall asleep because I was so exhausted from the pain. So I'd feel like my uterus is being cut up. Um, there's like stabbing pains and I'm not quite a burning feeling, but like an aching and just like it was, it's not comfortable. Feels like contractions, a lot of pain, and then it stops, and then that's how it continues and goes. Usually then I feel a bit of a discomfort around my cycle. Like when I do start to feel pain, when my cycle starts, like when my period starts, it only increases by the minute, and if I don't take anything, it, it'll be hard to get that pain down. It'll take a really long time, because painkillers, don't always work for me. And I always forget to take Advil at that time. Unless I remember how painful it was last time. Then I will, I'll take it as soon as I can. But sometimes I just think, oh, I'm hungry or something. So Tylenol does not do a thing for me. I take Advil. Advil seems to work better for me. I usually do the fast acting if I need to. Um, I would get fevers and lay on the floor rolling and moaning. And I'm not that type of person to even really lay on the floor. So the fact that I would lay on the floor in general was, was odd. And then rolling and moaning was just another thing. Crying, feeling so weak and shaky. Like I just was so weak. Um... Once I got dizzy and lightheaded, and I'm sure I was low in iron as well, it was horrible. I have a memory of being in school, and all of a sudden my pain was starting. I was sitting in class, and just starting like to feel the pain moving around, like I was moving around. Um, I always kind of kick when I'm in pain. It's kind of weird. I don't know if that's normal. Not really kick, but um, fidget in a way moving because it hurts so bad so yeah then I would call in sick for work and often I would think I'm exaggerating because my friends could stay in school and then um, then I must be a wimp right I can't handle anything but if you ask my husband you would know that I have a very very high pain tolerance when I had a uterus infection I knew I was sore but I just started bawling and actually didn't realize how bad it was um, he brought me to the ER because he then realized I was in pain. He didn't even know I was in pain because I was so quiet about it. Like, he knew I was sore, but he didn't realize how bad it was. And that's not his fault. I didn't share, and I didn't actually realize, as weird as that sounds. But I knew I wasn't feeling good. I just guess I wasn't feeling good at all. So he brought me in, and they put me on IV antibiotics and IV um, extra strength morphine I believe and I still felt a bit of like an ache in my back so like the I didn't even realize what painkiller I was on I I guess I was a bit out of it like just from the pain I didn't realize what they were giving me before they gave it to me and 
yeah, I told my friend the name because they always have their names for the painkillers. And she was like, yeah, that's extra strength morphine. You must have been in a lot of pain. So that kind of felt good to know that I wasn't making this up. And like I still actually was in pain. So all that to say, I do have a pretty high pain tolerance. And I've had to learn to really check in and stop when I'm in pain. Because I could ignore it and keep going. And it's not because it's not painful. And it's important to take care of yourself because if you're going to overwork yourself and there's inflammation, inflammation can cause damage. And I have experienced that. So yeah, definitely take care of yourself. So I've always had severely painful periods ever since like the beginning. They always kind of got worse. They weren't too bad in the beginning, but they were uncomfortable. I would not participate in gym on those days if I was in school, but usually I went home and slept. I would lay there after a hot shower and bath with a fan blowing on me, and I'd fall asleep after tossing in pain. The painkiller's not working, like, right away. Um, and then exhausted, I'd end up eventually falling asleep because I would move so much, it just feels so weak and from all the pain. And then... The pain slowly lessening, I would end up falling asleep. Those few days were exhausting and are exhausting. Um, things that helped me and help me are Advil. Heat packs are very important to me because it's not always ideal for me to just go take a bath or go take a shower um, just for the heat. But heat packs are a lot easier. I can just throw it in the microwave and then use that. I feel like an, an, uh, an electric one, just one to plug in and put on top would be a lot easier. Then I wouldn't have to go without the heat because if I go without the heat, it worsens and I feel miserable. So yeah, I usually just use like, I guess they call it a rice pack. Yeah, I drink teas. Those are very important to me. I do chamomile, red raspberry leaf tea, ginger tea, or peppermint tea. I have heard chamomile tea, dandelion tea, green tea, peppermint tea, turmeric tea, and ginger tea are very recommended for endometriosis. I don't really drink green tea. It's just not really my favorite, but the other ones I'm all right with. I love chamomile tea with a little bit of honey and ginger tea as well. Those are kind of the ones that I go for, those two. My supplements I take that are supposed to help with endometriosis are, is a thing that I, I really try to take them because I know that they're supposed to benefit. And I have noticed a benefit with them. One time I did not have a painful period at all. So that was really nice, but then I stopped taking certain ones and then it came back again. So just taking those back, taking those again. Also eating enough. If I'm hungry, the pain gets, like if I'm hungry at all, the pain will get worse and then just continue to worsen. So I can't be a little bit hungry, especially let's during my period. So then probably the most important thing is my husband really helps. Like he gets things for me. Usually he happens to be home when 
when am I have the most pain? And it's really nice because um, he's able to go heat up the rice pack for me and I can lay down. and I Because I, I often don't feel like walking then. It just really hurts. So he goes and heats up the rice pack for me and gets it for me. Gets me tea or Advil. And some people say don't mix certain teas with Advil. I've never had a problem with that. But everyone is different. So... Yeah, he's been really awesome, and I'm really thankful for him. It definitely makes it a lot easier dealing with endometriosis. So another thing that I really wanted to mention was actually pads. Organic cotton pads have helped a lot. I used to feel like I was getting a UTI when I would be on my period when I used other pads, but organic pads have actually helped, like cotton pads, have helped me to feel better in that way because other pads have like plastics, can mess with hormones, which can possibly increase inflammation, and they decrease airflow as well, which can cause discomfort or for some a little infection like BV or UTI, and those don't feel like little infections. Um, yeah, um, that's not always the case for everyone, but it is possible that is why you want to make sure you are changing them often enough because bacteria can grow and you want to change them around, I think about three hours they say, but that varies on the heaviness of your period as well. But also when your period gets lighter, you want to still change them often enough just because you may not be bleeding much You could keep and you could keep it on like all day doesn't mean that you should. Another thing is sleep. Don't feel bad if you need to cancel plans or even work around your period to plan things. You might want to get like somehow track your periods or your cycles or your symptoms if that's an app or writing things down just to be able to understand yourself better and if you need to share things with your doctor or naturopath then you can. I do have another episode on supplemented things that I take for my endometriosis. And I want to mention that the serapeptase has been working great for my endometriosis. I feel great and it was really worth it for me. Um, I wanted to add that I started with a higher dose and it's recommended that you start lower and work your way up to get used to it, which may have been easier on my body if I did it that way and giving me less of a flare up. But it was fine and I'm doing great. So... You want to make sure you're not taking serapeptase or castor oil packs during your period as they can increase blood flow. I stopped taking castor oil packs at ovulation. So like people will take them from after their period till roughly ovulation. That's usually, I just did that because I don't, I want to give my body a bit of a break once in a while. Some people will stop because they're trying to conceive and after ovulation, um, Castor oil can cause cramping, so they want to not take it then. And then they'll only take it from after their period to ovulation. With serapeptase, you want to yeah, avoid during the period because it can increase blood flow. Some people will take it from after their period all the way till a few days before their period. They'll stop it a few days before just to give it the body time. Um, so that there's not too much bleeding, or that there's not increased bleeding during their period. But some people will stop at ovulation if they're trying to conceive, 
or some people will continue all the way till a few days before their expected period. And people have done that both ways if they were trying to get pregnant and I've heard people are fine doing that. So I think it's a matter of what you decide to do. Um, I'm not a doctor, so I can't tell you what to do. And even if I was, every situation is different. So you should go see someone that knows you specifically that can help you, like a naturopath or a doctor that can work with you specifically and knows what you need. So yeah, that's all that I have for today. And I hope you have a wonderful day. See you guys next time. Bye.